0: In 1998, I founded the Kalamazoo Poetry Slam. I did it because I had a few talented friends who needed a place to take their art to the next level, and because I knew there had to be more voices out there waiting to be heard. And because I wanted to go to an open mic where at least two out of three poems didn't suck. My name is Tracy Smith, and this is the k Slam Slamcast.
1: This is Slam
2: Later, like the poems are like, you dirty fucking whore. But this is one of the good ones from the beginning.
3: My ears reach in the suburban noise of night. It's a question asked in one naked moment.
2: <laughs> I am the spinner. I am the poet. I
3: am the Industrial revolution No
4: longer bright as fireflies. In the days of finding how wonderful we are, we form the sweet nature of the future and the reasons that we sing.
0: This week's k Slam cast is a flashback, because I fucked up. Don't worry, it won't be the last time. The recording was labeled Summer Slam, Pride Pridemore Feature, so I thought it was our first Summer Slam Invitational from 2001 when we invited poets from Ann Arbor and Detroit and Grand Rapids and Chicago to come practice before the Nationals. But this recording was actually from the year before. So this recording features the 2000 Slam team, against the runners-up of the 2000 Slam team and a few other folks. And me, talking like a Muppet for no reason. And a feature from Brooke Pridemore. I think you'll like it.
5: one in any anyway. Goodbye Blue Monday and Johnny Ramone. Oh oh hello regrets and being alone. Goodbye i cool and leaving you today. Goodbye happening sudden one any anyway. Goodbye Blue Monday and Johnny Ramone. Oh oh hello regrets I'm being alone. was walking down the downtown mall the other day, and I bumped into Dawn Sailor, standing there in front of Harvey's on the Mall. But for some reason, I kept calling her Brooke, which is also my name. So it made the conversation very confusing, but she went along with it. And actually, I said to her, hi, Brooke, how's it going? And she said, uh, okay, Brooke, how are you? And I'm like, oh, okay. Uh, just working and then drinking and playing guitar and Drinking and sleeping and drinking and I already said drinking. I said I worked up this little number and I want to I want to sing it for you. And it goes like this: Jam lays town and wrestles in a sleep. The moonlight spills on comic books and superstars and magazines. And old friend calls and tells us where to meet. Plane takes off from Baltimore and touches down on Bourbon Street. said, "I'm sorry, I'll all night long." Seen but never been sad with me. A Sunday comes and all the people say, the Money care for all the days I've lived awake but half asleep. I've been downhearted, baby, ever since the day we met. Goodbye to the I'm leaving you today. Goodbye to happiness that I want in anyway. Goodbye to Monday and Johnny. Regrets being alone Goodbye, to the world, and leaving you away Goodbye to happiness, that I didn't want it anyway Goodbye, to Monday and Johnny Ramon Oh, 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 hello, regrets being alone And even if you ask, I'll only tell you that it's fine It must've been all that Back in 1999, which isn't quite as funny as when I sang that line last year. Well, she said that someday that things will be okay. And I said that there's a reason that they call it someday. Another dream in that book it was like 47. It says, a spider and a fish try to fuck. It doesn't work. I haven't gotten sick of this song yet, so I'm trying to play it to death. You try to 17. but I'm running for all- You couldn't wait for what I've been waiting for for all my life 30 seconds straight. Somebody time it, and let me know when I can stop. You ready? What's your coach truth? Well, I've been thinking maybe you've been brainwashed too. I hope you're happy with the life you left behind. I hope you're happy. No, I don't. I hope you die. Because I can wait for what you were waiting for for all your life. You're laid out to die. Lay down and die. Lay down and die like a dead guy. Lay down and die. Lay down and die like a dead guy. Lay down and die. Lay down and die like Jim Morrison. Lay down and die. What? Oh, they said one more. Play blue. Another upbeat one. Okay, but I'm going to do the Calypso version of Blue. (laughs) Emily was at the show last week 11.45 on a Monday I was at the end of my rope Smoking two jars at once And she said, but you gotta see It's not just me Everybody wants to be Take it on your trip, God, I know you think I flip But blue looks good on you, too and Drew was down to soul coffee Songs about how to do it again And everyone was talking, man And no one really cared too much So my God, I'm thinking about Giving up, an I said, But you gotta see It's not just me Everybody wants to be You're not dancing Take a on your trip gotta know you think I flip If who looks good on you too.
6: It's great to have a groupie,
5: even if she won't sleep with me. And Jason wants to try to craft, bro. we owes me hundred dollars in debt? Did you ever pay that off? bastard told him he couldn't drive his car. He's lost it all, and I hope he fucking buttons up his shirt. And I said, But you gotta see that it's not just me, everybody wants to be taking on your trip. Gotta know you think I'll flip. He looks good on you, too. Cause when dawn, I mean, I was like 17. I didn't even want to get out of bed, cause I was in the dawn. I was singing songs and no one cared about, like this one. I was saying things like this. Will there be, will there be someone to take care of me? you don't want to be here, too. I say, trip. Because blue lips good on you, too. Take me on your trip. God, I know you think I fit. Because blue lips good on all of you. OK, now I'm really leaving.
7: Okay, uh, this poem is originally entitled Craft Brow, but tonight, one night only, it has a subtitle, Prelude to the Battle. And it's, (laughs) and it's just a little reminder for everybody that's here tonight that's performing and judging and cheering and influencing why we're here. It's not about points. It's not about nationals. It's not about nationals. It's about what we're making here. All of us together. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. Beer.
4: and
7: beer. Yeah. <laughs> is my <time> going <laughs> this place is a center. A shortcut in a complex network. Here I find the self I've been circling. Here I find the shining eyes of rabbits and monkeys and poets. This is a place of connection and exchange where what you give is swallowed. I am new each time I walk out these doors, my belly full digesting my friend's words. So this place has drawn us here and what pray? Shall we make? There's a reason I'm here, if only to shine when I can, and I got this feeling that something's going to happen. There are no accidents or coincidence. There is always a balance, and I am always moving. As I move, I make, acting and reacting with, with what I encounter, affecting and affected as I go, creating, making, collecting, adapting, leaving footprints and carving paths, and I found myself here in the company of madness. I drink in the words and spill my own, and float and dance and celebrate this thing that's being made. There is an energy always when a person is here on this soapbox. I see it, I feel it, and even when the poetry sucks, the courage is there. Do not abuse this place. As you speak here, you are shifting the center. Treat this house as sacred, and be aware of how you leave it. All
0: righty then, judges. What'd you think of Laurel's poem? Write down that number. You can use one decimal point, and we encourage you to do so. Any more than that, and bad things will happen to you. I can see it. Hold them up. We've got... a 6.5... and a 7.4... And an 8.5 and a 9.3 and you've got to learn to write bigger than that. 8.3, is that what that is? Alrighty, that's what we got. We throw out the high and we throw out the low and we add the three in the middle. And uh, then we have a score. That's right, it's kind of jiggy. Give it up for Bill. He's uh, punching the numbers tonight. Uh, But uh, 24.2 for Laurel. Um, So judges, you judge everything else tonight by that first thing we just did. Is it better than that? Is it worse than that? Is it until, you know, you have too many beers and you can't, yeah, well, you know, we throw you out. Okay, we got Team A, our 2000 team, who have named themselves No Fucking Poets. We have Team B, otherwise known as The Losers. Hey, man. Who said life was fair? And they are the replacement poets. And then we have Team C, who are unashamed. And that's an amazing thing to be. Okay. I'm going to call out the team, and then uh, the team is going to let me know who's coming up. Okay? So, first up, from team A, no fucking poets, who's going to be? Don Sailor. <laughs>
8: Right, here we go, man. I'm kind of tired, so deal with it. She was the red-hot hippie mama, straddling the stage, bottle strapped in her fingers, little girl lonely, looking for that home. Decked out in feathers, a plaid and paisley woman, singing out the southern comfort of her Texas fears, a wild-eyed banshee spirit got a sister of my mind. When she sang, finding her salvation in the twist of a note held until the whole world listened. Hidden in little town recital halls, Austin's hootenanny annie, girl tried to please the mother who cloaked the supernova in starch blue linen strangling the tune when freedom's just another word locked inside the throaty rasp of a woman contained. The red-hot hippie mama trapped inside her lonesome addiction craved for starlight in a hand to cradle the demanded messages of conformity and the patronization of a society misled. She even went as far as to wrap herself hopeful in the promise of white, let him take a little piece when he went away. She clothed herself in junk and mystery, her free spirit pin-up taken as an invitation to absorb the aura of, a, aura of a child masquerading in a woman's body. They didn't see the reflection of her mirror image laying out their own story night after night while drenched in spotlight. She testified to the truth of burning to be brilliant. She was the red-hot hippie mama at the Avalon in the Monterey with the Frisco brothers asking, Didn't I give you nearly everything that a woman possibly can? The ballsy chick belting out the B-flat fifth of her life, a dissonant chord banned by the church in medieval times, Queen Mama playing a man's game. Almost succeeded, but followed Jimmy trying to kiss the sky. The red-hot hippie mama spread news of a revolution. Altering perception with the red and green and blues of our voice gave us purity but shattered inside her own enigma. The burden of insecurity placed on shoulders of glass. She left her memories on an altar made of stone words. It was time exacting the price of being lost in the cosmos and flying too high. When she sang, the whole world listened too late. So bye, 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 baby, bye-bye.
0: All right. righty. <laughs> right on. Go with that. Okay, judges. Hold them up. One, two, three, four, five. I've got a 7.8. And an 8.7. And an 8.7. And an 8.9. And an 8.9. And the audience is in a coma. What the hell, guys? Come on. That's more like it. That's more like it. Okay. Team B, the replacement poets. Who's coming up? That would be Todd.
6: I am become the Omnipoets. I have retroactively influenced all the poets before me. It was me Kerouac was praying to on the Brooklyn Bridge who tore Yates' world apart, who drove Pound insane. I was the vision Coleridge was writing about in his opium meduse trans blown apart by some intrusive errand boy. That was me, you see coleridge was a pretty good poet for an englishman so i sent an errand boy to save his life because my image made real by pen and paper would have destroyed everything and it was me shakespeare was writing about you know that story about my romance where that girl belonged to a family that didn't get along with my family that was me But Shakespeare had it all wrong. I never killed myself. I knew the chick wasn't really dead. I had merely grown tired of dating underage girls too young to understand my big giant poet jokes. And it was me, not Zeus, that seduced all those Greek women. And I didn't have to turn into no bull, swan, or golden shower to hold them in my arms. Those were lies told to mortal husbands to explain all those baby poet demi-gods running around. Those beautiful, dark-haired women came to me willing, and I gave them all the big, giant, poet love that they could handle. I was the one who spoke to the prophets in their dreams. Revelations was all mine. I foretold the Messiah. Nothing has been said since the garden that I have not said first. I am not God, and I am not Satan, but I am their mouthpiece, and the mouthpiece of all that has been and ever will be. World will not end. Amen? Amen. So listen to me very carefully this would be the time to join my bandwagon.
0: Love it when the audience gets rowdy. Judges... Hold up those scores. We've got an 8.9, and a 9.1, and a 9.1, and a 9.1, and a a a 9.7. I think you guys are getting the hang of this now. Congratulations. That's, that's more than I can say for the mad bar. Team C. Who's coming up? Who's unashamed? What is his name? Hey, Jason.
9: If I could tell you how I feel with images instead of words, I would show you warm, beautiful, holy colors and pure, unadulterated grace. I would show you what a beautiful face your soul has and your genuine affection from my perspective. I would show you the sweetness in your voice and I would show you your endearing charms spread all over my shoulders left by your embrace. I would illustrate every detail of the tender pain I felt when I watched you sleep against my chest. It was a shame that I couldn't see your eyes. That moment would be my masterpiece. Crystal, you seemed to me like something so absolutely real that it worked its way into my most sacred dream.
0: ready. that was Jason, right on. And judges, hold up them scores. <laughs> okay, okay, one more. Here we go. Okay, we have an eight and an eight point five. And a six. That's how it goes. <laughs> Number Nazi. And an 8.3. And an 8.7. We throw out the low score. And we throw out the high score. And we, you know, boo everyone, the judges, but we applaud for the poets. That's how it goes. We're already to our second round. First team up in the second round. Is the last team up in the first round. So <laughs> You guys don't know what's going on, do you? <laughs> team C Team C, Unashamed, our pickup team. Who's coming up for Team C? James! Give him a big hand!
10: I've missed all of you that I know. All right. <clears throat> you have impacted upon me like a meteor to the moon. You have carved and created a sense of compassion within my consciousness some of which I don't understand or love or love to hate or love to forget and not remember. I don't understand from my hands why I write what I do, why I'm so often alienated by some, but others wish to accept me for who I am. Do I not have 64 chromosomes, 32 for my mother, 32 for my father? And if we go back far enough, we are descended from something far greater than which we understand. We wish aliens to come visit us, yet we alienate ourselves amongst each other. Must everything be classified and coded within the Dewey Decimal System? Does this really help us? I feel it hurts us more in the end. Or love, my race, my face, my glory for all of its beauties and foundations. I want my ancestors to be part of me. I want them to know that their bloodshed was not in vain. I feel their pain, tears fall like little droplets in the rain. Tears of madness, tears of sadness, tears of gladness, tears of blue, tears of me, tears of you love to hate what a juxtaposition, thoughts that brought us here against our will, thoughts that brainwashed us today and yesterday against our free will that is so eloquently stated in the Constitution that we hold these truths to be self-evident. I don't have to tell you what Martin has already told you. I am not looking for a handout for retribution, for slavery that personally did not encompass me, but culturally and historically it does. So where do we go from here, America? I would love to forget the lies, cries, and sighs of my ancestors' eyes who struggled so much to receive so little. Today we struggle less and receive so much more. Or how to say the state of Mississippi had over 40 legal lynchings in a year, but when I look into the mirror today, I see corporate crap, crap, crack the stone that only, not only kills bir- two birds with one stone, but kills the community, and my community is your community is America's community. But blacks kill blacks, because blacks kill more blacks today, what do we say? Man, we ain't make them AKs. If you think banning guns is the answer, wake up, one million motherfuckers. If you can't keep drugs out of this country, what do you think you're going to do about guns? Wake up. I smell the Hannibus. But America did not stop when my ninth grade friend Steve was gunned down and paralyzed from the waist down, or my cousin Demetrius was stabbed by another cousin doing a B.E., No ABC, no CBS, no CNBC ever came to mourn with me. Man, not even BET. I'm sorry America had to feel my pain at Columbine High School as I perch here as a Sankofa bird does. Malcolm softly, soulfully speaks to me and says, the chickens have come home to roost, my brother. The chickens have come home to roost. (laughs)
0: Okay, already we've got an eight point three and an eight point eight and a nine and an eight point eight and an eight point nine for James. Give it up for James. Right on. Okay, so. Team A, no fucking boards. No Who's up, Carry? <laughs> Give it up for yeah. Carry.
2: I'm staring down 30 with a steely gaze because it's quickly creeping up on me with more stealth and menace than I'd originally bargained for. I've been looking forward eagerly to this much-anticipated guest that would settle itself in with a comfy flourish, plumping pillows and tying up loose ends, lending legitimacy to my harried life and reassuring me that I am indeed a good grown-up. Instead, I'm flipping through faded mental photo albums and turning them into scorecards. The square greenish images of my parents, thin and smiling in their plaid and bad glasses, happy to be helping themselves to seconds of kids and mortgages. A bronze valiant and a gold satellite sharing the garage with a bike with a banana seat and a fat red radio flyer tricycle. I had a marriage and a mortgage once. But hardly simultaneously, since we hung our broken dreams on that house, and six months later I was standing and stocking feet on the coffee table, a beer in one fist and regrets in the other, proclaiming loudly to nothing that it was now my house. Yeah. Yeah. Because I'd spent five fewer minutes in court that morning than I did in the rusty line at the DMV dusting off my old last name. Yes. Now I live under a rented roof, Where I keep my life cluttered with books and animals I keep taking in to blunt the sharp edges of the maternal nudges that shove me in the direction of a friend who offers up his essence. Because he's given up his hopes for Mr. Wright, and he's got the very same ticking echoing around and through him at night. And lately... It's been louder than the whispers to wait because maybe there's still time to wrap a little one in love instead of legal agreements. But the grains of faith in my hourglass just keep pouring themselves out all over the ideal images of what my life was supposed to look like by now until I can barely see them anymore. And the hiss of them rushing past mixes with the voices that snicker every time I slide open yet another letter informing me that I am not the woman for the job. Which means another day, week, month, marking time in this cramped small town. Tying on a waitress apron with fingers full of size because my nine to five goes nowhere and doesn't pay the bills and another shot at shooting out of this place has just fizzled. And it's just not as pretty a picture as the sharp images that worm their way into my every day from friends a little too eager to share. A quick double-click bringing into crisp focus the velvet and satin I can't afford but have to wear just once while sculpting high-heeled grimaces of pain into smiles at seeing the happy couple safely off into forever. Or the newlyweds navigating an icy mountain safely in the bright Norwegian night, Or the curriculum vitae, longer than my still unpublished chapbook, safely guaranteeing tenure. Or the contented roundness of the newborn, safely home and sound asleep. And there is nothing safe in my life. At 29 years, 11 months, and the 11th hour.
0: Got an 8.8, 8. <laughs> and a 9.3, yeah. and a 9.5, <laughs> ten, yeah. and another ten. Yeah. That's cool, man. That's cool. All right, Team B, the replacement poets, who's up? No scores, no, you gotta wait. Only the hardcore people in the audience who are like writing all this shit down get to know who wins until I say so. I guess it's you then, right? Chris, good up for Chris. (laughs)
4: This piece is for my Aunt Judy. Sometimes the night whispers to us of a loved ones. A face from a passing car, a scent from a store window, but this time it's walking by a bar, the bustle and rub of people, background honky-tonk blues bellowing from the jukebox, and the star-spun dark spills out the name Judy. They told me she had an attitude from the day she was born, always tore into trouble like a beast into fresh meat, curious to all the thunder of the world, and sometimes she was just plain mean left home at 13, seeking freedom, good fortune in the heat of Alabama, years of bar brawls, broken bones, and beer. In Savannah ran a busted up sawdust saloon, played cook, bartender, barkeep, bouncer. She wore black eyes like makeup, constantly saying, you should have seen the other guy. (laughs) Then she moved back to Michigan, slowed down, and lived comfortable. In 78, I was born not long after she had lost her own child. It seemed somewhere there was a connection made, some mystic connection between me and her. Some of the best snippets of my childhood were spent with her, telling stories, playing cards. She would give me bits of wisdom as I got older, simple magic and dusty spells. The older I got, the wiser she was, and she always knew what I was thinking. She'd always ask me whether I was eating or not. You're just getting too damn skinny. You're just getting too damn skinny. But the busier I got, the less I saw her, stopping briefly to chit-chat over cigarettes and old movies, but barely able to stay for an hour. And then one day, I came home to a message that she had to see me. There was something she had to say, and I walked in to tears and a fear-folded face as she took me by her arms and told me she had lung cancer. No, you don't, is all I could say. No, you don't, as if the darkness could defy the sunshine, and for hours we cried there together. And it was a tenpenny song played by a fool when she told me she could beat the black dance that tangoed inside of her. But because I loved her, I believed her, for even those moments, I felt like she could live but I watched close as the twist of dull gray pain replaced the cherry flush of her face. Five months of chemotherapy left her wrecked. Nearly 300 pounds of hollow human suffering, and I watched her smile die before the rest of her. After six months, she could hardly recognize our family, but every time I peeked my head around the big blue door, she knew I was there, and then one day they wheeled away the bed, and they wheeled away a part of me with her. But these are not the things I'm going to remember. These are not the things I'm going to tell. My children will know somebody painted in portraits brushed from stories. Ten years of Saturday Kmart wanderings. Hank Williams and Johnny Cash played at Rattlebone Volumes. Her screaming, eat boy before there's nothing left of you. All the things she swore she was. She was part Indian. And she had her bedroom covered with a hundred junk market prints to prove it. The ability she had to see into the future. Seeing mine and my brother's birth, grandfather's death, and then finally her own, the date emblazoned across the sky in scroll work. These are the things I'm going to remember of her. But I still have not visited her grave. Somewhere inside of me, I am believing she is still breathing, driving her black minivan somewhere in Alabama with cigarettes in one hand and a dream catcher in the other. And someday I will see her hug her until my arms fall off and step back and say, Aunt Judy, I'm not as skinny as I used to be.
0: We've got an eight point four. <laughs> hey, hey man, come on! <laughs> and an eight point seven. And a nine point five. And a nine point six. And a nine point seven. Give it up for Chris. Okay, we're halfway through, we're halfway through, right on. Third round, Team B, the replacement poets. Team B. Greg Bliss, ladies and gentlemen.
1: Last month, we kept Jory Graham in the basement. Well, she really wasn't Jory Graham. I mean, her wig was rather obvious, and she wrote offensively bad poetry. That's why we put her in the basement. She just so happened to like the attention and did not mind being referred to as our gimp. I think she defined things she didn't understand by context. While the other children were being warned to not accept candy from strangers, We had a gimp in the basement. (laughs) The month before Jory, we didn't have a gimp. The basement was closed for renovations because we had received feedback from some of the gimps that our basement looked too much like the set of the Brady Bunch. The den to be specific, only more humid. So we tore up the three-inch pile orange shag carpet, pulled down the nicotine stain drop ceiling, dismantled the vinyl upholstered bar, boxed up the Gordon's gin, the Relsky's vodka, Daddy's 34 cases of old Milwaukee, and Mom's 10-year supply of Amaretto, Peach Snaps, and Boone's Farm. Mama loved that basement before Daddy brought home his first gimp. The funny thing was, he didn't look like a gimp. He looked like... like... Well, he looked like the postman. And the postman always had an odd expression on his face, you know, because he was always free and laughing and full of welcomes, and how about them tigers? But today, he looked down on the floor, and the way Daddy looked at us, we knew we weren't allowed to talk to him. We knew the postman was dirty. Growing up with a GIMP in the basement was special. We used the phrases the other kids used, but (laughs) they meant different things. For instance, if my sister happened to mention that her monthly uh, visitor was here, it meant uh, we got a new GIMP. (laughs) If daddy said, take out the trash, goddammit, it meant take the GIMP for a walk. If mommy said she didn't feel in the mood, it it meant she wore herself out the night before beating the gimp. We never got spankings. The gimp took them for us. He was like Jesus. (laughs) Looking back, I ponder fond feelings toward our dungeon of shame. Memorable gips include the captain of the football team, my fourth grade Sunday school teacher, a cop that followed my mommy home one afternoon. <laughs> and a Jehovah's Witness. <laughs> we gave him his magazines back when he left. Gips didn't work out, included my seventh grade PE teacher. She talked daddy into wearing the gimp mask, and, and we couldn't get her out of the basement for a week. <laughs> mommy didn't like the golf gimp. When he thanked Satan after each beating, she said, it just wasn't fun anymore. But I will remember Jorah Graham, even if she wasn't. She was kind and gentle. She pretended to not like the way Daddy called her an illiterate whore. She would read to us at night when we would sneak down and feed her snacks. And she said, things can only get better.
0: Thanks, Greg, that was touching. <laughs> 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 Judges. we've got an eight point eight. and a nine point five and a nine point five and a nine point nine. and a ten. Okay. I l- this such a strange crowd you all are. You're very energetic, <laughs> and then like nothing. It's it's spooky. It's spooky. Okay, so Team C, Unashamed, Stacy.
11: I like to be honest. You, you wouldn't guess I was 18 if you heard me speak. Looks deceive. I am beyond my youth. My mentality will always be two steps ahead of my age. And my, my strategy, my strategy is to learn from others mistakes. That way I don't have to feel the pain and I don't have to feel the embarrassment firsthand. I don't go by age. I go by words. Show me who you are, and I will tell you your age. And I don't go by color. I am blind to race. Dominican, African, Asian, Caucasian, Puerto Rican. We are one. We have one love. We are one race. We are one blood. (laughs) The world is painted with adolescence and maturity religion race age <laughs> Take this as learning experience. My age will fool you and my race will sneak up on you from behind. But how will you view me after you hear me speak? Will it matter what I look like from the outside? I don't go by size. Show me your heart and I will tell you your measurements. I'm <laughs> sorry. We hide from anger, but if we hide from, ang- but if we hide, we hide from all emotion. We will feel no love, and we will not experience the love that you have to feel. <laughs> I don't go. Much. <laughs> so sorry. I will not go by your appearance. I am blind to your size. You bleed my blood. You cry my tears. We are one. And hearts stay warm.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Judges. we've got a 6.2, and a 7, and a 7.4, and an 8, and a 9.2. Oh, Stacy, give her a hand. I see what you're doing now. You're you're like conserving your energy because it's hot. I understand. (laughs) Man, it is Tuesday night, isn't it? (laughs) God damn it! All right, looking ports. Dan Stevens is next.
12: Fuck Hey, Axel, baby, where are they now? They got you screaming like a demon in a Blair White room. You got thick shag rugs and a baby grandbaby. Did you find yourself a guru and cry like a child, baby, deep in the jungle? What about Duff, baby? Where'd he go? What'd he do to piss you off? Drugs on tour? Did he drink, baby, drink? Did he shame your name, your big blonde fame? What kind of drugs did he have to do to get kicked off your stage? And what about the rain, baby, late in the year Falling like life and death and distortion What about Slash and his snake pit, baby I can wear leather, squeal, baby, squeal Cut a cord and a rail and a cheap record deal I can wiggle with a mic stand tucked between my legs I can thrust it like a cock, baby, make a million dollars Hey, Axel, baby, did you find a little patience A little sensitivity in brownstone pride We knew you loved her, had to kill her Had to put her six feet under Wonder, baby, why it all dried up Blistered under those L.A. street lights Lost in lines of method, baby Lost in bargain bins behind the grateful dead Hey, Axel, baby, haven't heard from you lately. Haven't heard scratchy songs of love and loss and liquor, baby. Did you sell your soul to Legba for some sex and drugs and persecution? Did you lounge around the tool bus with a bottle in your hand and a spoon up your nose, breaking rocks like a prisoner, baby? Hard, hard labor. Did you get the right address? Did you knock real hard? Hey, Axel, baby, don't you cry. Mold a new noise. Hold a long note, baby. Follow the feedback round to the front. And don't you cry, baby. Don't you cry. Yeah.
1: Uh,
0: touching ode. Stop! <laughs> they just don't respect me. Yeah, <laughs> what are you gonna do, I judges? We got an eight point seven, yeah. and an eight point eight, and an eight point two, and an eight point one. I'm seeing a theme here, and an eight. Oh, yeah. I wonder where Axel went. Team A. the boots. Last round. Give it up for Beth.
3: Poem wriggles its thick finger under the bedsheets of my not-so-satin past, creeps through the kitchen at 2 a.m., lurks in the shadows, cast by the full moon of the refrigerator bulb, and tiptoes back to bed before I can fully wake up. It pretends to snore as soon as I open my eyes and refuses to hold me, turns a cold shoulder to my midnight embrace, the pathetic, empty-arm grasp but doesn't give a shit what the poem looks like, is willing to ignore the hairy back, sweaty pits, and mustard-flavored morning breath just to sleep next to something. It always gets up too early before I'm awake enough to write it down, As my hand slips out to grip the skin of my pen, the poem's yanking a t-shirt over its head and clicking the door shut. I won't see it again till dark. It always comes to bed late, when I'm already heavy with half-sleep and dream crave, too tired to even touch it. Some days I set the alarm with hideous cuckoos and cock loos trying to surprise the poem and stun myself awake before my time, attempt a little morning rhyme, a lot of assonance and a simile like a scratch on the poem's still-sleeping boxer-clad ass. When that doesn't work, I lean on one rough elbow and stare with sand-stained eyes at its drool-lined lips and sleep-spotted cheeks, with sharp, black hairs viciously ripping an otherwise slack jaw. Everything soft and round, no gut-sucking, muscle-flexing poses.
10: Me? I know who I am. I'm a dude playing a dude disguised as another dude. You don't know what duty is. I know what duty is.